Oh, that's a bingo. Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo? Asked the colonel. The lieutenant replied, You just say bingo. The colonel said, Bingo! How fun! But I digress. Where were we? Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom and KJ. Additionally, joining us as a guest this week is... Ragnar. Thanks for joining us. Ragnar has joined us for 11 episodes, including Rules of the Game, Parasite, Chinatown, and The Batman. Ragnar conveniently likes movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz, as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, and in round two, each question is worth two points. Then, once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant where anything goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to the theaters in 2009, we would have had to choose between Julie and Julia, District 9, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and today's movie, Inglorious Bastards. Nick will be quizzing us today. Nick, what is Inglorious Bastards all about? This movie is pretty self-explanatory. There is a group of American soldiers who are Nazi killers, and they go out and kill Nazis. The end. <laughs> Tom, if you only had one word to describe Inglorious Bastards, what would it be? Revision. Ragnar? Tense. How about you, KJ? Bingo! And my word would be dairy. It's time for question one. Who appears in the most chapters of The Inglorious Bastards? Locked in. Is it character or actor? Character. What? When, when does a character transcend? Hmm. Maybe I, <laughs> chapter eight uh, or something? I don't know. I, I, I'm going to... Are there only four chapters? <laughs> sure. Transcendence is not easy. Uh, I'm saw gonna... a really extended cut. <laughs> I'm also going to lock in. I don't know if I know it, but I'm going to lock in. Locked in. KJ, you're going to start us up. Okay, I don't remember the names, but uh, the woman that owns the movie theater. Tom? Yeah, I was going to say her as well. Chauchion? What the hell is her name? We should, get, we, should know, we should know these characters' names when we do a podcast about them. Shosanna. <laughs> is that how Brad yeah, Pitt would say it? Shosanna? Uh, Shosana. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get you, Cage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ragnar? It's going to be three Shoshanas, Emmanuel, or whatever, however you get. Well, Survivor. you're all wrong. Who was it? It was Colonel Hans Landa. He was in four of the five. Which mm. one wasn't she in? Not all of them <laughs> she's in the first one she's in the first one she's in she's the, not in the, the maybe the second one she's not in the one for sure where they're in the basement and there was another one she wasn't in i think she's and is he in the basement one i know he investigates it after the fact is that part of the same chapter no there was and actually of course i don't have that sheet with me that had where i got all this stuff from that might be, yeah, because that, that might transition into... So there's five chapters. I think she wasn't in the second one, The Inglorious Bastards, where you kind of like introduced to Brad Pitt and his crew. But he wasn't in know. that either. Landa wasn't in that either. Um, Landa was in one, three, four, and five. One, three, four, and five. Three is called German hey, Night, German in, Night Paris. in Paris. Yeah. She I... must have been in that one. I think German Night in Paris is the game, the basement scene. And my only guess oh. is that Landa comes he in. He goes to end. explore. He finds the shoe. 
Yeah, that I thought that was in yeah. the next yes. chapter, but it isn't. Okay. So that's the answer. But so no points will be awarded in the first question, but I wanted I was hoping someone would get it right so I could say that's a bingo. You could, still, you could still say that with another question. No, it had to tie <laughs> Not anymore, into, yeah. it had to tie into Hans Landa because I wanted to talk about the antagonist because he mm -hmm. is my favorite part of this whole film. I don't know if it's because he's in the most chapters and I didn't realize that. But I just see him a lot and his performance is great. But let's talk about the main antagonist in this film. And I would say it's him. Of course, you can say other things. I'm not going with the general Nazis and Hitler, which I know he's kind of driving the war, but I really feel uh, like he's worth noting. Yeah, I mean, I think I've never heard of, of the actor um, Christoph Waltz before this movie. And, uh, or yeah, this one came out before... Um, Django Unchained, right? Or was Django Unchained first? Yes, no. Uh, okay, this was first. So I think this was the introduction to a lot of people to Christoph Waltz. And I think this is pretty much Tarantino's greatest gift to cinema is introducing millions to Christoph Waltz because every single movie he's in, he just knocks it out of the park. Yeah, he's pretty great. And it looks like he's having a lot of fun even though he's doing terrible things, but he doesn't look like he's necessarily enjoying the terrible things. It's more, he, it looks like he's enjoying putting on a performance for us, really. Yeah. I think um, he enjoys being the detective in this thing. And that's what mm. he says. He's like, I'm a detective. Because I don't think he, the character really aligns with the Nazi propaganda too much because he flips on a dime. Right. Um, so I know a very interesting character that just loves the process. Yeah. The and then, process. I think that's apparent when he orders the milk, right? Because he figured it out. And he gets to show whoever's kind of paying attention, which I guess is really just the audience. But look, I know this, but I'm still going to have fun and toy with this person anyway. Yeah, I, I will say I like Christoph Waltz in this. I'm not the biggest Christoph Waltz fan. If anybody's seen Carnage, I think he's actually pretty bad in it. Mm -hmm. um, no, uh, I, that's scraping right the bottom of the barrel, I think. Uh, yeah, but anyway... Um, I, wait, wait, the superhero movie Carnage? Yeah, the Venom one. Oh. No, 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 no. no. Carnage based on with Kate Winslet and uh, Tony Soprano. Uh, what's oh. His name? Uh, it's based on Gandolfini. the. Yeah, Gandolfini. It's based on the uh, play God of Carnage that won Tony a few decades ago. He's a scene chewer, which is what I sometimes have trouble with. But this is a movie about kind of the the way a movie can revise and and repair history and so scene chewing and kind of b movie references and fun is what this movie's all about so he fits well he slots well into the into it and i think it's i what's interesting my the thing that's most both out of character and most interesting is when he strangles diane kruger's character right because there's a moment there of actual anger because up to that point, he seems to be this like ballet dancer, right? He just, he knows every language. He knows what's going on all the time. He knows how to hold everybody he talks to in suspense. And there's this moment where he breaks um, with uh, Von's Hammersmark. And, uh, and that's really interesting. Like there is this kind of national pride, you know, that apparently he has that, that causes him to respond in that extremely violent way. Um, I will say that scene did take me out of it a little bit, but otherwise I enjoyed his his scene chewing, winking very much. I have a non-point question for all of you. Whose hands were the ones that actually strangled her? It's got to be Tarantino, is it? You're absolutely right. He had a very specific way that he wanted it to be portrayed, and it is Quentin Tarantino's hands. Wow. I didn't Why? Know that. On her neck. Mm -hmm. Don't. That's all I know. What, what was the way? <laughs> so However, I, it showed. That's yeah. how he wanted it. Mm -hmm. According to IMDb, um, Quentin Tarantino doesn't like the way strangling is portrayed in movies. He thinks it looks very fake. So he said to the actress, hey, I'm going to actually strangle you so that we get it real. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's probably why it was jarring, Tom. You know how you said that kind of took you out of the movie? Mm hmm that was probably his intent. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good intent, but still his intent. <laughs> fair fair Tom, enough. Mm -hmm. Did it take you out of the movie because 
the sudden violence of it or because you felt it was out of character? Uh, a little of both. Um, it's it's odd. It's a very violent movie. It's, it's a movie that purports to be very violent, but the movie isn't that interested in violence. The, the violence is actually fairly contained. Um, uh, and... And so that scene is so much more violent and personal than anything else we see in the movie that it took me out of it. And also it's the one time we see him lose control and he's losing control because a German is betraying Germans, which is what he's in the process of doing himself. So I'm not entirely sure why he's so particularly angry at this, you know, Marlena Dietrich stand in. Right. That's that's what was confusing. I don't know. What about you, Ragnar, or, or anyone else? Like, did you did it take you out? It certainly is a, a kind of like different to every single other scene of his, you know, where he's always in control, never, never even loses his tone of voice. Um, it's a good point. I think I don't really have a good answer for that. Something I'm going to have to process. I think it might be where he's seeing the tide is shifting because that's when he soon decides that he may not be on the winning side. So there might've been some of that internal aggression just being forced out of him. So you think he was doing it kind of like for his master plan of getting out rather than snapping because she betrayed Germany? I think it might've just been his frustration that they were at a tipping point and even people like famous German actress is working for the other side and, and the game he was so masterfully playing had to be changed. Of course, in his mind and in his way, he found a way to do it, except he has a swastika on his forehead, but uh, you know, he is a survivor. But Ragnar, let's pull that thread, right? So let's say he didn't kill her. Could he still have enacted his plan of switching sides and getting away? Right. Cause at this point, is he holding the bomb, getting it ready to put under the seat? Is that the yeah, idea? Yeah, because I once, think he's already put the bomb, hasn't he? No, the bomb. He, he places the bomb afterwards because he he has to finish with the actress. Then Brad Pitt gets apprehended. He steals the bomb from Brad Pitt and then places it. So actually, I don't think it was it was a fit of rage. I I do think it was part of his master plan, and I'm going to tell you why, and then also put in something I was going to say in response to KJ together. Um, ever since he saw that the, her shoe and her autograph was left behind in the basement and he kind of figured out that she was a double agent. That's why, and this is to KJ's point about uh, the character enjoying toying with people. You know, he knows the Jews are hiding under the floor, but he still has their glass of milk. He knows that the actress is a double agent, but he still comes down to her and asks her about her accident. What happened? Where'd you get it? And when she says mountain climbing, he laughs uncontrollably because he's just like, that's the best you could come up with to try to trick me that you were climbing a mountain, you know? So he was having a blast, you know? And, you know, what's your name? And they respond, they tell him the name in bad Italian. And he asks, can you say it one more time? One more time, you know, he's toying with them. He knows exactly what's happening. So that's why I think the, the, the killing is a part of his plan, but the passion behind it did seem surprising, to say the least. It's time for question two. How many soldiers were in the initial group of the bastards? New recruits or everybody in that scene? Everyone in the scene. I'm going to lock in with a wild guess. I'll do Price is Right rules, so closest without going over. I I will say I also think this is a flaw in the movie. The bastards are not very distinguished. They're not very delineated. We get like a few who we recognize and everybody else is sort of window dressing. Locked in? Yeah, locked in. Ragnar, start us up. Lucky number seven. Okay, KJ. Baker's dozen. I thought it was 12 and Brad Pitt, 13. Tom? I'm going to go with 10. Oh, I didn't include Brad Pitt, though. Is he a bastard or the leader? 
He's a bastard. Everybody okay. in the scene. All right, 11. We'll He's a 11. bastard, all right. Yeah. <laughs> what do we have? I bet it's eight. The point is going to go to Ragnar. The actual answer is nine. Ah. Later, later, it became 11. There were eight Jewish members and three non-Jewish members of the bastards. So the answer is nine. And this leads right into... Let's talk about the protagonist. And I'm not just saying the leader, Brad Pitt. I think the bastards as a whole. And Tom, you even mentioned it a little bit in your response there. How are they portrayed in this film? Is it just a title, a name, or are there actual characters behind it? So let's talk a little bit about these protagonists. Are they? I thought it was Chosana was the protagonist. See, we can talk about that. I don't necessarily know if that's true. They're both protagonists. They're yeah, both yeah. characters we're rooting for. Um, the, 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 the irony of the ending is that if the bastards never did anything at all, everybody would die, including Christoph Waltz's character. <laughs> so they basically have function to save, uh, to save Mr. Landa. Um, I want to explore a little bit what KJ said, though, because there could be multiple protagonists. They're both yeah, they're, trying to accomplish the same thing. They just don't mm. know they're both accomplishing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's multiple protagonists. That's yeah, the, the bastards are also a, a fantasy of agency, right? That's how they function. They're um, what if you could fight back, right? What if you are um if you can remember a situation in which you felt powerless? What is the fantasy of fighting back? And that's what we have here is this sort of um, Jewish fantasy of fighting back and, and killing Nazis and being really, really good at it, right? And not only fighting back and killing Nazis, but killing the worst of the worst <laughs> in, in the most brutal way possible. I mean, it's, um, it's kind of a delight in that sense. So what did they accomplish in this movie, right? We, we talked about if they did nothing, the theater probably still would have burned down. I, maybe they were a good distraction for... Um... Christoph Waltz. I, I, I don't think that I don't think her plan would have killed Hitler since he was in an opera seat. I'm not sure about that because uh, when they locked the doors, it was the lower level of the theater, I think. Um, so I think Hitler and the other higher ups could have escaped easy. Okay, okay. Okay, but apart from that. Apart, what? you mean apart from killing Hitler? Yeah. Apart right. from ending the what war. Have done? <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Yeah. I, again, I think it goes to the, this idea of their their revenge fantasy, right? You know, I, I don't know. I think that's what they what they do for us. They're, it, it, I mean, what is it? Most movies. This is what uh, Pauline Kael said. Um, she was talking about an Italian movie poster where it just said "kiss, kiss, bang, bang" on it. Like that's the essence of movies, right? It's kiss, kiss, bang, bang. That's why we come. That's the that's the fantasy. It's captured in the violence, captured in the sex, and the violence here is it's almost squared the fantastical or fantasy elements of it because it's Jews getting revenge on Nazis. It's giving people that that release, that um, means of dealing with with historical trauma. I think that's what the bastards do. I think you're spot on into what you're saying. I think this has kind of been Tarantino's calling card in his later movies. Uh, obviously, here clearly uh, it's it's the Hitler thing, and um, with Django Unchained, which is a similarly styled film, uh, it's kind of the slavery aspect. And then I don't know about Hateful Eight, but certainly Once Upon a Time in America, there is that kind of like revisionist uh just term is escaping me but just getting it off your chest you know going like you said thinking about the time you were bullied and just going back there and standing up to him and kind of that wish fulfillment i think is what he's been doing recently yeah and it's i i think it even gets more sophisticated especially with once upon a time in america which i think this movie is in conversation with right um which is that history is one way of describing what happened um the cinema is another and the cinema can be our our place of healing we can say we're going to revise this narrative we're going to reject the historical narrative in place of the cinematic one and we're going to do it not because 
we want to ignore the the pains of history, but because it supplies us with a better way of living, right? Just like Back to the Future. Yep. <laughs> How about you, Nick? My feeling was that is maybe where this movie fell a little bit short was that it was spread out over too many parties. Uh, we didn't really get the background on all the characters in the group of the bastards. Tom mentioned this a little earlier in the episode. And even Shosana, I didn't feel her plot line or arc was even that strong either. So you kind of got a combination of the two to get us to that final thread. But I, I always thought that the protagonists are fun to see their exploits, but that it didn't necessarily hold up um, that plot line. And I, again, I want to talk about that a little later in one of the other questions getting into the plot, but that was my thought. Like I liked elements of each one of the protagonists, but I really think they're all kind of jumbled together. I don't agree with you about Shosana. I, I do agree with you with the bastards. I think that we get um, the great Hugo Stiglitz. Yeah. Um, from who is a, a great B-movie actor in, I think from Mexico, right? The real Hugo Stiglitz. And uh, and then we get the bear Jew. Um, but outside of that, they are, you don't really recognize one from the other, um, which I do agree with you, Nick. I think that is a problem. I wish we had a little more character development within the bastards. All I was gonna say is, I wonder if some of that ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I just don't think it's too big of a problem because the movie is already so bloated I feel like the bastards are just one character, and they I have agree. Many arms and many aspects to them in, you know, man manifestations of the bastards, so to speak. No, I agree, and, and this isn't a major problem for me. It's just like the one thing I could see if someone did have a, a challenge with this film, it might be in how the protagonists are handled. Yeah, and just one real quick note. I, I do like the mystery of them a little bit, like. Uh, Brad Pitt's uh, Aldo character having that scar around his neck and we don't really quite know why it's there but it just provides a little layer to him and it's better not to know. At the end of round one there is one point out there Ragnar's leading with one and Tom and KJ have plenty of time in round two to put some points on the board. We'll be right back after this brief message from one of our valued sponsors. Hello, and welcome back to B-Side. Finally, it is B-Side. Today we're going to be talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We're going to be discussing the famous W.F. Murnau film from 1927, Sunrise. The Icelandic movie from 2015, Rams, Juzo Itami's 1985 picture, Tam Popo, and today I'm going to be talking about a good old film that we just covered, and this is 1984's Ghostbusters. Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side, wherever you listen to Talking Pictures Trivia. And we're back. We're at the critical point of our episode where we ask the guest a key question. If you could write your own sequel for Inglorious Bastards, what would it be, Ragnar? Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. Hours, days. I've neglected my family knowing that you guys would ask me this question. So the best I could come up with is Aldo is not satisfied that the war is over and that some Nazis got away, that they've oh. made it to South America. He just he can't abide that. But he needs somebody that's really good at tracking them down, of thinking like a Nazi. So he pulls out. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so he goes to Nantucket Island to <laughs> take uh, Hans Landa out of retirement. And the two, maybe with some other uh, newly crowned inglorious bastards go to South America, gather up the last of the Nazis, and the movie would be called Inglorious Bastards, uh, the Nazi Hunter. Inglorious Bastards, boys from Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> How about um, Landa and Alto, Inglorious Bastards Part Two? Ah, there we go. <laughs> 
a buddy a buddy cop movie kind of thing mm-hmm. that's exactly where i was gonna say are we going in buddy cop territory here like that's that's exactly yep but then maybe at the end aldo kills londa because he, he can't he's like look we're not in america so mm-hmm. i think they have the jackie chan chris tucker chemistry going on <laughs> A new trilogy. You know what? <laughs> Hollywood's done a lot worse than that, so mm-hmm. it's not that far fetched. I can't, I can't, I can't put the the punchline together. But something with Brad Pitt and his accent saying, uh, "I, I just, I can't." I, I got Landa because he could speak Spanish, and then Landa's like, <laughs> "I can't speak I, Spanish." <laughs> he goes. You speak second best Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Like I said, second best. Aren't they in Brazil? <laughs> but he still says Spanish. Oh, yeah, still says Spanish. <laughs> it's time for question three. Stiglitz is from Frankfurt. Wiki is from Munich. Where is undercover Lieutenant Hickox from? Oh, locked in. Locked in. Undercover Lieutenant Hickox is the one we follow into the basement. He's like the Correct. lead. Okay. He's Michael Fassbender, right? Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, which this isn't an appropriate time to bring this up, but is he the guy that directed World on a Wire? No. No. Fassbinder. <laughs> what? It's, no, you're thinking of Fassbinder. I was like, man, he's uh, so Ali young. Fury. He must have been oh. like five when he, he wrote it in crayon. Yeah. He was... <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's Fassbinder. Fassbinder was a German director of the new wave. I don't, did everyone lock in yet? No, no, no. <laughs> We're waiting on KJ. Because I'm trying to figure out, do, do you need a city and a country? Just put something down. I need, I need a, not a country. Okay. Smaller than a country. Smaller than a country. I'm picturing Mike Myers. They're like trying. Who I to be- felt was the only miscast of the movie. Oh really? really? I actually enjoyed. Oh, his, why is that? It kind of. It just. I was just like, "What is he going to do? Awesome powers?" I just, it just took me out. He was doing a different character. Oh, do, you, do you know yeah, who he? Do you know who Ed uh, Fenich is? Ed Fenich. No, that's his character's name. That's Edvige Fenich. Was a. Um, was an Italian actress from the seventies, and she did these things called gallo films, which yellow films, which are like these really um, kind of somewhat body crime films, that type of thing. All right, all right. locked in. <laughs> KJ always ruins it. I love how that was time to cover KJ getting his answer out. <laughs> so KJ, you're going to start it up. All right. I don't know, but I do want to mention that I had watched Wayne's World the night before watching this. So I was that explains I was, everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was waiting for a a, a knot or a, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's asking him about the films. Do you know this? Do you know that? And he goes, oh, da, 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 da. excellent. <laughs> like, but it didn't happen. I don't know. Under the shadow of a hill or something. In the Shire. <laughs> <laughs> Who was next? I, I lost I track. I'm next. Talking so for me. a very yeah. long time while KJ was locking in. Yeah. Well. Uh, the, <laughs> Tom. No, Tom was first, so Tom was oh. last. Oh, okay. Ragnar. He probably has the right answer. Um, I can say he's from England, because that's where he's really from, but the character he's portraying in the basement is from a little town in the shadow of a mountain, and it's like Pale Palu, or something that I cannot pronounce. Tom? Piz Palu. P-I-Z-P-L-U. P-A-L-U, P-A-L-U. I'm not going to debate the spelling. I thought it was P-I-T-Z, but whatever. Pizpalu. He's from Pizpalu, of the village of Pizpalu. Oh, is that's, it P-I-T-Z? Okay. I, 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 it might not be. That's where I, I... So, yes, this is the basement scene where uh, his accent is a little bit off. This film is a collection of settings, and the basement is one of them, the opening scene. I just wanted to talk about some of the key settings that we have enjoyed in this film or had issues with. So let's go for it. The, the thing I like about the basement is I'm not a big fan of the theater. I, I just don't connect with it. And I feel like Tarantino is able to embed 
theater into his cinema. Mm-hmm. That kind of like one, one location, pretty much a, st- uh, a static camera, it doesn't move very much. And it's just people talking, you know, it, it almost feels like a, a 12 Angry Men or something like that. So I think that's why the opening scene and the basement scene kind of stand out because they are so almost play-like versus the rest of the movie, which is more dynamic. I Yeah, I think the whole thing is very theatrical. And I think that's um, that's also true in the performances. The performances are, are theater performances, but we're close to them, right? That's what differs a theater performance from a film performance. Just it's an issue of size. And the size is large, but the camera is close. I think the whole thing is very theatrical. I really like the opening scene. I think the farm was great. Uh, Tarantino did a great job creating that farm, or even if it wasn't Tarantino, but the, the sounds, the, the walking on the boards, the way that people moved around the space was great. Um, the basement was good. It was a little claustrophobic. The theater? How did you guys feel about the theater? I mean, I thought every scene was amazing. And it served the, the story. You weren't as fond of it, KJ? I, it, you know, in a, this isn't an action film, but in a good action film or a good Kung Fu film, you have a really good sense of where everybody is and how the fight is progressing. And I never felt like I quite understood how that theater was put together. Like, I don't think I could walk around in it right now. Like I couldn't draw it out. That's what I guess mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Of all the scenes, the one that really grabbed me was right from the beginning, that scene at the farm. I mean, that really, I remember that vividly in the movie theater and I bought into the film from that moment on. So that, that was a big one. And the basement scene, I really enjoy because I love that, that level of detail and, and watching it this time, knowing the information I already had in my brain allowed me to kind of dissect that dialogue and those interactions in a different manner. Ragnar, you mentioned before you enjoy watching Tarantino films multiple times those are the details that I can pick up. I was trying to figure out when the Nazi, I don't know what it was, lieutenant or officer, whatever he is, knew for sure that they were imposters. And after this watch, I believe he knew much sooner than he lets on. Much, much sooner. Before the, before he, the three? The, the fingers, I think that was just the icing on the cake. That's what we hear from Hammerschmark or whatever her name is. <laughs> um, but he knew for a fact. And the, the reality is, he says he knew any officers in the area worth knowing. He would know Stiglitz. The other officers, everybody knows Stiglitz. Okay. He went to France to be executed. He would have known who he was. And he keeps hitting them. Because he knows that the guy can't do anything back. So again, is this just my theory? No, I like this. I like this theory. There's, if you look at it through a different lens, it really makes that scene even more enjoyable. And he's a trivia master when this other guy is supposed to have written all these books on movies and he's trying to just shut him up with his movie prowess and knowledge. And this guy's firing back. So there is more than just, hey, I put up with the wrong fingers. Yeah, in my opinion. I agree with that. <laughs> Wasn't there a scene in it where, um, oh, what, what's the guy's name? The, the, the double agent German guy? Hickox. <sighs> Lieutenant Hickox? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. no. Um, Stiglitz? Stiglitz, Stiglitz. Sorry about yeah, that. So, yeah. Isn't there a scene in this basement uh, where Stiglitz has a flashback when he's looking at this S guy of him getting whipped? Mm-hmm. And you don't see who's whipping him, but I imagine it was this guy because why else would he have that flashback upon seeing this guy? Yeah. So if, if we can make that jump, then Nick, I think your theory is pretty spot on because how would the guy whipping him forget such a famous guy? You know, he's escaped. Everybody in the German army knows who he is. I think you're onto something. I hate that scene. <laughs> Tom, I don't hate that scene. I, I don't care. I, don't I, 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 I mean, I like Please. this movie. I think the scene goes on and on and on. I find the game kind of boring, you know. Um, I, I really would love to know why you don't like it, truly. Oh, I just think it's very boring. I think it's a very boring scene. I think it's a lot of talking heads. I actually, I'm not overly fond of Michael Fassbender in, in that scene. Um, I actually like when he switches to British. I like when he's in 
that room with um, Michael Myers. Oh, and who's the actor playing? Uh, great old time actor, but I forgot his name. Who's playing um, uh, Chamberlain? Uh, Churchill, not Chamberlain. Excuse me. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure yeah. it was Churchill. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, Rod, I don't like him. Rod Taylor. Rod Taylor. Yeah. I think there's a lot more going on that scene that you're giving credit, Tom. I think there's uh, I, a lot I just I, I think on. it's pretty boring. Um, I think Diane Kruger is great, and I really like the her um, the way she plays that sort of regal attitude that uh, people like Dietrich has had. You know that 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 kind of movie star thing. She's a really good movie star. Uh, Diane Kruger and she's the the thing that got me through <laughs> that scene which I thought was kind of which kind of took too long um you know it's also like if there's a guy on stage or on screen I want to see I wanted to be Brad Pitt <laughs> so uh you know that was another thing I, I had uh, no no Aldo but only Fassbender was a problem but I'm, I'm that was the scene that took me out of well, the movie the most what about like the the hostage situation at the end that tense yeah, that was that fine. You, yeah, right? that 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 was fine. It just took a while to get there. I, you know, them playing the like the game where they determine it's King Kong, was like you know, um, what I thought was this. Yeah, but he's trying to get them drunk so that when the confrontation happens, uh, he, he's maybe. the only one who's so. I mean, there's there's sure. is going deep in this. But it's not. Nick it's not. It's this. not exactly about the layers. It's about the excitement in the moment. Um, I think the scene is most exciting when he said it's I would like to know and you realize that there's another guy drinking and the the phonograph stops. I thought, oh, that's a great moment of tension. And then they played a game with them and then they did other things and it took a while, you know. So, KJ, um, so I got to know where you stand on this one. Well, Pro I con basement. I mean, and so why? The one part Tom liked was my least favorite part, the reveal that there was another dude in this basement that was not very big why didn't we see him before? Like, again, now I can't draw the base. He's in a corner. I mean, I've played DD. I understand there's always people in the dark corners, but it wasn't even a, like a dim. Was he there the whole time? No, he's yeah. in the corner reading Hickox's books on German cinema. <laughs> That's but, a but do we see him before the. <laughs> no, no, you not know. at all. He's so behind he's an a wall. officer and he's not interacting with the, with the enlisted men. Yeah, he's behind the wall. What wall? Again, like it, it, it seemed to come out of nowhere that there was another dude down there. You can't just throw somebody in like that. Why not? I, I don't understand. Why can't you have a? Because why can't you have it has a... to be like a good kung fu movie. He has to understand the space <laughs> before he's put into the scene. Like yeah. German kung fu is very specific. Or or a mafia movie. You always have to have your back against the exactly. wall so you can yeah. see all the entrances and exits. If KJ so. doesn't know where all the exits and all the bathrooms are. He's not comfortable <laughs> with the scene. Yeah, well, you don't have to be Stonewall Jackson to know you don't want to <laughs> fight in a basement. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> It's time for question four. According to the film, who do the bastards need to kill if they want to end the war? Whoever gets the most names right will get the points. Locked in. Oh, locked in. Everyone should get at least one of these names. Locked in. Ragnar, start us up. Uh, well, the obvious one is Churchill, of course. No, I'm just kidding, of course. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> No, no. Um, uh, Hitler, and then uh, the pronunciation is what kills me. Uh, English is not my first language, but like Goebbels, Goebbels, or something like that, and Himmler uh, are the three that I can think of. I remember in the in the negotiating, Landa says you have to if you get those, you have to get those three to end the war. I I know they said that, but I think in this spirit of the bastards it's every single nazi i think the only fair way to answer this <laughs> is to name every that's why there's single... the sequel that's right nazi hunter we do get through them all <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer <laughs> gentlemen you have to kill goring borman goebbels and hitler if you want to end the war tonight Wow. Damn. Um, Damn. Tom definitely gets the two points there warranted uh, and will take down this episode. Interestingly, one of your answers, Ragnar, is probably correct. There was a few other major 
Nazi leaders that they left out, Albert Speer, Henrik Himmler, and Karl, oh gosh, Donitz, Donitz, how do you say it? But Donitz. either way, the, those were all like the key in command, but yeah. yes, the ones Bo that they mentioned. Borman was his secretary. So. <laughs> yeah. So those are, those are the ones that they mentioned in the film though. But I, again, we've already talked about it a little bit, but this is where I was going to explore the plot a little bit more, which may be to some people a little thin here. I still think it works and it's enough to drive this film, but let's talk a little bit more about the overall plot. And you can weave in, I haven't really focused on Shosana as much either so far, because again, she wasn't as interesting as I wanted her to be on this rewatch, but that's just my opinion. Well, she, she's burdened with that first scene. You know, she's the survivor of that opening scene and it's hard just for anything else in the movie to live up to that. Yes. So I think it was difficult for that character. But I think I think the plot's great. It's um, you know it's just different pieces coming together, and I, I I believe that if both plans weren't in action, they wouldn't. The overall plan of killing Hitler would not have worked. So it was kind of like just a just a blessing of accidents that come together, and it's just fun to see the pieces fall into place. Yeah, I I, I actually really like Shosana. I, I like following her plot. Um, I think she's, I love the scene when she's, I wish I, I should have looked up the name of the song when she's preparing for the, uh, for the giant face and she puts the Indian makeup underneath, uh, which sort of makes her like a, like almost like one of the bastards, right? She kind of takes on the role of the, um, the vengeful Native American scalper um, at the end. I, I think that actress is, is lovely. Uh, when she says goodbye to Marcel, the her her lover, and there's that kind of little tearful moment. Um, I would say the one thing that took me out with her performance was after she shoots Zoller and she goes over to him, she has this like moment of compassion, which is very odd. Uh, I, I don't know why that was there or why that was necessary. Um, but I, yeah, I really, I, I found her very, very compelling. Um, I loved her anger. I loved her sarcasm. Um, you know, her little like, uh, if you want a girlfriend, you should go to Vici, you know, things like that. Uh, I, I thought she was a delight. I just, uh, yeah, I disagree. But again, my, you know, my favorite is Aldo. I really love how Brad Pitt says Nadzi, you know, and, and these, these various things. What did you think about the movie Nation's Pride? <laughs> well, yeah, we haven't brought up Frederick at all. I, oh. I thought yeah, his. Yeah story was okay right like absolutely daniel brell yeah mm -hmm. uh, yeah i mean so he um right war hero for the german side and sounded terrible and awful and now they're making a movie about it and he's forced to sit in that theater and like relive that like that was a at least a little bit of a character arc development he's one of the few characters that went through a change right mm -hmm. yeah i would agree there and even when i'm i'm talking about shazana it's not that I didn't think she did a good job. It just, it almost was like buying time to get me to the other scenes that I really enjoyed. So that that's the only reason. I'm being really picky here because I did really enjoy this film. Especially that scene when she says goodbye to her lover. I think that is the best piece of acting in the whole movie. Um, because a lot of times those moments, I don't know, words only kind of diminish love. And how do you explain love especially the last time you, you know you're going to see uh, someone that you truly love so them kind of just looking at each other and her kind of breaking down a little bit and striking uh, stroking his face that was I thought that was a beautiful scene yeah she's also Tarantino right she kind of stands in for Tarantino oh what do you mean by that she gets it's revenge of the giant face it's revenge of the cinema Right. And that's what she, you know, she gets revenge um, in the same way. He's kind of helping people get revenge a little bit. It's time for Movie Rant. I'll start with what could have been a bonus question. Ah. We, don't have to, we don't have to formally lock in. Here. Is it 68, 150, 32? Absolutely not. Ah. What I was going to ask, you know, Hans Landa is a pretty smart guy. How many languages do we know he speaks? Yeah, I was going to say four. 
I was going to say four. Yeah. That we know of. Yes. He speaks English, French, German, and Italian. But I bet you he probably knows Spanish too. Oh, yeah. The romance languages. If you know Italian, it's not. Yeah. I would bet you. The biggest jump in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a quick question about the at very end of the movie. Uh, Brad Pitt carves the, the, the final swastika and he says, I think this is my masterpiece while staring at the camera. Do you guys think that's Tarantino talking to us? Why not? I'm going to answer for KJ. KJ's going to say no. <laughs> it's the well, movie. The, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean no, Tarantino no, no, I didn't know. like it. <laughs> like, I mean, he's staring right at the camera and he goes, I, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I forgot the character's name for Little Man. Uh, I think this is my masterpiece. I think it's I more in a joke, straightforward. though. I, I, I don't think he's being serious with it, though, because I think he knows what he just created, right? This isn't a serious war reenactment. He's having fun with this, you know, revenge flick, you know, rewriting history. So I think it's in a more jovial manner. Why is joviality a rejection of something being a masterpiece, right? Yeah, You ever see, like, Jan Steen? paintings he was a dutch artist and he's you know he writes he paints masterpieces but they're very like one of his masterpieces in the met is um like a big picture of him and his wife and they're drunk and like his wife has got his her hand on the leg of like a musician in this kind of like body way and he's clearly having a great time painting his wife like this like he's not like judging her or whatever he's just like isn't this hilarious but it's this like masterpiece painting you know and it's utterly jovial and utterly fun and 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 i think that movie this movie has a bit of that kind of jan stain energy right it has that um you know it, it has that idea of like i'm gonna be so ballsy i'm gonna kill hitler in 1944 and I'm going to have like a troop of, of Jews save people from the Holocaust. It's, you know, uh, it's cinema as salvation, cinema as saving, saving the world and saving us from the history, saving us from our past. Right. It's, I mean, it's pure cinema. Right. What is the project called? The, pro, the, the operation is called Operation Kino, Operation Cinema. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's, I think, what Tarantino is engaged in here. He's engaged in Operation Cinema and he does the same thing in. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, where he wants to save this beautiful young lady from this horrible viciousness that destroyed the 1960s. And so he does. He just does it because, you know, you, you can. You can actually do these things. And I think it, I think, I, you know, I don't know about masterpiece. That's a strong term. But well, that's what I'm saying. There's some, yeah. There is some subjectivity to that, but there is also a quality of artistry skill or workmanship, but you're right. That doesn't mean it can't be of a certain genre or portrayal. Or it could be a masterpiece. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think, I do think up to that point, remember this is before he did Django and Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time. I think this is Tarantino having the best time he's ever had making a movie. I just, it, it feels like he's having a great time. Um, I, I don't think it's topped until once upon a time where I think he's just really having time of his life. And while I still prefer Pulp Fiction, I know there's a lot of haters here. Um, I do think- No, there's one hater here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a hater. I've enjoyed that movie. Yeah, I love Pulp Fiction because of, you know, it was just a moment in time, it's phenomenal. But I do think this is his best crafted, fine polished, movie there's so many small moving parts where even the you know the side side character of uh the 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 sniper is an engaging piece of cinema kind of like kill bill (laughs) which volume i'm saying in tarantino's point of view i think he thinks this is his best movie i will agree that this movie seems like he's having a lot of fun making it. Like that seems like it jumps out at me every time I, I watch it, which apparently was only a few, <laughs> but this time for sure, like he's having fun making this film. Yeah. And Brad Pitt is having a lot of fun. Yes. With oh, that yeah. character. I mean, you know, that's a, yes. you know, that's a great, you know, like, I, and I want my scalps, you know, <laughs> that's, I, I like these little line readings he does. Um, and, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, is in conversation with this, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is also about 
trying to save an era that that Tarantino grew up in the 1960s in Los Angeles, right? He wants to redeem that because the violence that ends the the you know it's but the 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 murders were December of 1969 and ends the it literally ends the 60s. Um, and he wants to he's saving something almost from his childhood. So there's that kind of um, the pain of longing that is nostalgia that's in that movie. So it has a sort of, even though that movie's hilarious at times, the ending is hilarious in that movie. Um, but there's still, I think, more of a pain there than what we see in this film. I haven't watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet, and I plan on doing so, but just like Ragnar was saying about how much fun he, he had making that film, he actually wrote his debut novel, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, to further elaborate on stories and, and characters that he couldn't fit in this film. So you want to talk about passion about a subject material? This is one. And, and again, we're going back to what, 2009 when he did Inglorious Bastards? This was definitely his latest obsession, this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I am looking forward to finally watching that. In fact, I even had it on a, a potential list of movies for us to go over just so I have an excuse to, to turn it on. Yeah, you should absolutely watch it. And I think he was also, there's a, a show within the movie that I think he wants to make into an actual show. So there's just so many parts of this movie that he wants to expand on the, the novel, the show. The Tarantino-verse, huh? Exactly, exactly, which there is. You know, All the movies are within Tarantino's verse, uh, which is great. Some of them are movies within the movies. But- Machete um, is a- Yeah, like, I think it's all about the, the cigarettes, the, the Lucky Strike or something like that, or mm -hmm. I don't know what the name, Red Apple or something like that. Um, but the cigarettes are consistent throughout his movies and they determine whether it's a fantasy within a movie, like Kill Bill is a movie within the Pulp Fiction universe. Too long of a rant, that's not even what I wanna say. I just wanna, uh, Tom, you kept talking many times about Aldo and I do think he is the best character. And I think Brad Pitt should get more credit than he does receive about his acting because um, he's a very physical actor. He moves very well and very different. Um, like I was watching a great Western called um, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Kyle Robert Ford. Um, you didn't like it. I didn't. Um, no, I'm sorry, but friend. But he, please, but please he, go on. In those movies, he he just moves differently. You know, in, in Snatch, he's like this fight, so fluid. In Jesse James, he's stoic. He barely moves. And here he's just, he leans in at the right time. He, his, his snuff that he keeps using throughout the movie. I think he's just a very physical actor and he does just a, an amazing job. And it's those small details that create the illusion and don't get enough credit in my opinion. Brad Pitt doesn't get enough credit. <laughs> Poor Brad Pitt. <laughs> he's, he's got, he's had a rough life. <laughs> yeah he's had a hard one <laughs> maybe they'll take a collection out for <laughs> go fund me go fund brad <laughs> <laughs> we all probably have in one way or another <laughs> seriously <laughs> or would you like to get the final word on the spelling of pizza blue <laughs> so hey. in german yeah. it's pizza blue without a t if the if you do the English translation, it's pizza palu with a T. So everybody wins. Well, it's a mountain between Switzerland and Italy. So <laughs> there you go. Whatever. It's Speaking fine. of mountains, Tom's sitting on top of a mountain uh... of points this week. <laughs> and I'd like to congratulate him for winning this one. He earned it. Let me tell you. <laughs> He knew all the, the, the key members of the Third Reich. Congratulations. Norman Goebbels. Yeah. Very, very well versed in Nazis. He's like, I knew one day that would help me. <laughs> you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts, on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. Do you think the spelling of the title hurt the SEO? Why or why not? Let us know on Twitter, talkingpicturestrivia at gmail.com, 
or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Ragnar, for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I'm always happy to be here. And we're happy to have you. That was my sincere voice. Oh. Yeah, it, it barely exists. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Thomas Lehman 15. Um, and there, I promise there will be a Talking Pictures Trivia B-side. I, I have one more week in the semester. <laughs> Let me get it done and then I'll, I'll produce more content for you. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time as we start our book adaptation block to prepare for the new Jurassic Park movie where we discuss Tom's recommendation from 1987, The Dead. Stay tuned for our first impressions of this film. Ding, 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 ding. Hey. Next week, we'll be discussing The Dead. Tom, how was your read and watch? I saw this movie in, I think, a film class or in college. I don't remember if it was in a class or just in college on a recommendation. And I had read the short story a number of times back in high school and, and a few times since then. And I really love this movie. And it's hard to, which I think is obvious because I, I brought it to the, to the show. Um, it's actually kind of hard now to remember a time when revisiting the story that the movie wasn't interfering in my imagining of the story because the movie's been with me for, for so long at this point. But I brought it for this chunk. This chunk is adaptation. Um, I brought two Walter Houston movies, both of which I think adapt in very conventional ways in the sense that neither of them are concept films. Um, however, I think this adaptation is extremely smart and interesting to talk about as an adaptation because it's taking this like story that really isn't dramatic and giving it a sort of dramatic life to it in a, in a very subtle way. And, you know, I, I really find that very appealing. And I also have to say that this is one of those movies that no matter how many times I see it, I, it always kind of makes me uh, crack up a little bit at the end, uh, which has become all the more true the older I get, <laughs> you know, as as you grow older and I, you know, kind of like um, actually have had similar experiences to Gabriel, uh, the, this, the movie becomes all the more poignant. Chris, how was your first impression? Watching this movie was a brand new thing for me. I, I've actually never read the short story or, or book. Uh, and when I when I signed on to do this episode, this was going to be a brand new experience for me. I have to admit that I was skeptical when I watched like some of the previews and read some of the synopsis of it, but I ended up really enjoying it. Uh, I thought it was a little bit on, I, I can see how a lot of people that might watch this for the first time might think it's a little slow. There's a lot of monologues, there's a lot of different, just like watching these people dance. But I think the way the characters interact is, is, is very interesting. And I think that if I was watching this movie as a 20 year old, I would have definitely tuned out within like 15 minutes and been completely, completely tired and, and shut it off. But as somebody that's a little older, I do kind of start to see a little bit of myself on some of these characters. And I think that I think you just said that, actually. And it made it a little bit more poignant and it, it made it a little bit sadder, I guess, a little bit. But it was definitely like you're experiencing a little snapshot of all these people's lives and they're all. I want to say they're all acting. They're all acting in this moment. This is not who they, they truly are, I don't think. But it was interesting. And I really did enjoy watching it, even though I didn't have any conception of what I was actually getting myself into when, uh, when I signed up to watch it. What about you, KJ? What did you think? Well, before Tom mentioned the movie, I had never heard of The Dead. And Tom was, was kind enough to send us the short story. So I read the short story, and it was lovely. It was a lovely read. Um, it's very witty, right? There's a lot of good banter in there. Um, so I thought it, it the short story reminded me of Godsford Park or um, maybe Downton Abbey. I haven't seen very much Downton Abbey. So I said to my wife, Rachel, I said, hey, Rachel, I got this movie. I think it's going to be like Godsford Park or Downton Abbey. Although Tom says, well, mixed messages on if it's similar to Godsford Park or Downton Abbey. And uh, we, we put it on and we're watching. And I, I, I laughed at the, the horse joke. 
and and Rachel gave me a look because she was pretty bored and we were pretty bored uh with with this movie. Um but I will say there's a there's a line in a dream theater song. Um the song's called Six O'Clock and it's from this movie and it's um I think the quote is, I know all about the power of God, Mary Jane. And I always thought that was a Spider-Man reference, but it turned out it was from James Joyce's The Dead. Um, how about you, Nick? How was your watch? I had not read the short story or seen this film before. And I don't think anyone would confuse me with a Joyceaholic. Uh, but uh, this, this was a first watch for me. And what I will tell you, I don't think I've ever been more excited in my life for an episode because I have no idea what Tom is going to bring to us uh, to the table here to talk about. So I, I'm I'm thrilled. So I, I can't wait for next week to see what we're all about. For those interested in watching The Dead, it is presently available on Hoopla at the time of this recording. Tense. How about you, KJ? Bingo. And I forgot what my word was going to be. Hold on. <laughs> fall asleep during the third chapter. <laughs> I had a good one. <laughs> Don't cut this out, KJ. And my word would be... I don't remember it. Milk? <laughs> you can say bingo, I guess. It was going to be bingo. <laughs> sorry guys yeah i can't think of any other hunter there's a lot of hunters everyone's hunting each other floorboards <laughs> um oh i got it i got it i got it got it and my word would be dairy